When we think about Masonic archives, often the Grand Lodge of our jurisdiction comes to mind. And it takes a special someone to actually manage those archives and make sure that they're kept up for years to come. This evening, we're really lucky to have with us a brother that took on just that in his jurisdiction's archive and has some awesome stories to tell on the procedures of how he's done it and some of the things he's seen along the way within the archives. So we have an amazing brother with us this evening that's going to guide us through all that and more. So stick with us. We have a great for you sh uh, show for you right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Now, enjoy the show. Greetings and welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects of Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers, and we are back for another episode, and we are very lucky to have with us this evening, Brother Joe Terry, all the way from South Carolina, uh, who has some really cool stuff to share with us. My brother, if you don't mind, I'll hand it to you for a more proper introduction. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, as he said, I am Joe Terry. I am a past master of Pacific Lodge 325 here in the Grand Lodge of South Carolina, and I'm the current secretary. And I currently volunteer at the Grand Lodge, uh, assisting with the uh, archives in the library and museum, as well as work for the South Carolina Department of Archives and History. Fantastic, man. Thank you so much for coming on today. I can't wait to uh, can't wait to have this chat with you. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So we usually start out these episodes by getting to know a little bit of you better uh, before we dive into the, I guess, the meat and potatoes of the topic. Uh, so to get to know Joe Terry a little bit better as a Freemason, what is it that got you into Freemasonry? Do you have family history in the craft prior to yourself or what was it that sparked that interest for you? So it's actually interesting. I do have family history in Freemasonry. Um, however, I did not know it until after I myself had became a Freemason. Really? Okay. I, uh, I had always been interested, uh, you hear, I mean, I'm big in the history. So naturally Freemasonry comes up as you're reading and, and studying. And so I'd been interested, um, my first foray into Masonry, actually, I was currently, I was stationed in El Paso, but I had deployed to Iraq for the second time. And I thought, you know what? I was like, let me find out a little bit more about this. So I sent in an email to the Grand Lodge of Texas because I'm originally from Texas. And so they got back to me and naturally, sorry, you're in Iraq. We can't really do anything right now, but hit us up when you get back. And I unfortunately did not follow through at the time. And it was several years later uh, in 2014 I was a drill sergeant here at Fort Jackson and I'd ran into another drill sergeant and I saw his ring and I was talking with him about it. And, uh, and he connected me with a local lodge here and I was able to, to finally go through and, and get my degrees and become a Mason. That's fantastic. So was he a Mason in your jurisdiction or where was he based out of? No, I actually can't remember where he was from. Uh, this was the last few months that he was uh, stationed here, but, uh, 
No, he was not from this jurisdiction, but we were lucky enough. Fort Jackson at the time had a lodge right outside the gate, pretty much. Okay. Uh, and, that, and so he he connected me with them, several other, uh, naturally, a lot of former veterans there, uh, or veterans and former service members there. And uh, that's, that's when I joined. Um, so after I joined, that's when, you know, I told my parents and I found out that my mother was the Eastern star, as was my grandmother. Really? Uh, I didn't know that until then. And then um, I found out that on my mother's side, my grandfather was a very active Mason in Texas before he passed. Uh, my other grandfather on my dad's side was also an active Freemason or was a Freemason. And my great, great grandfather was a very active Freemason in Texas uh, back in the early 1900s. So that's what I all came out to me and I found out by my grandmother presenting me with my grandfather's uh, Scottish Rite ring and his Masonic ring. That was my Christmas present after they found out. And that was when I first learned. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. So I've heard a lot of stories, obviously, about, you know, great grandparents or, you know, different, uh, different extended relatives, but to find out that, you know, your mother was an Eastern star and you never knew it. That's, that's pretty cool. Right in front of your face. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we hear here what kind of brought you to Masonry. What's kept you around since you got in the door? You know, when I was in the army, you know, I was in the infantry and we had, there, there is that like unspoken brotherhood, you know, sense of family. And um, I really enjoyed that that aspect carried over. Um, and what kept me around was I was able to combine the things that I liked about that, along with my love of history, um, as soon as I joined, I started really diving into the history and all the origins. And, you know, here in South Carolina is a very rich and long history with Freemasonry. So uh, I, I would say in the past eight years, I've maybe scratched the very tippy top surface of that. But that's what's kept me going is I really enjoy that along with serving. And uh, there's just so many opportunities to explore your passions and, and help here in masonry. That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a beautiful story. And we're definitely glad that it has impacted you that way and kept you around, uh, especially as we're going to dive into this topic tonight, because as we find out, you are one of those very important guys that we need in the mix uh, because you're doing that work that often gets forgotten about or just undone. You're bringing up some, uh, some memories about Army for so many of our viewers. We've got my wife, for one, who I need to thank so much, Yvette, for sharing this live out every single time and getting everybody over here. Uh, my wife is an Army veteran, so she's up here yelling, Army! <laughs> uh, brother Justin Staley, he's an Army veteran as well, commenting. And then before we get into the topic this evening, I do want to go through and say hello to all of you uh, that are tuning in live this evening. Uh, we've got you guys coming in from the YouTube side and the Facebook side. TikTok to return soon. Haven't got that set up since uh, MasonicCon. I've been very, very lazy. Uh, but let's see. We have a uh, brother from Felzer Lodge, number 217. Uh, also there in South Carolina over on the YouTube side. Thank you so much for joining us. And we've got, oh, I'm going to destroy your name. So I apologize in advance. Uh, but brother Sir Ney over on the Facebook side who sent us uh, 
sent us a diamond on there. Thank you so much, my brother. And Brother Gabrielle sent us some stars, which helps the show. Thank you, brother. Deeply, deeply appreciated. Brother Henry Rodriguez saying he's been looking forward to this episode all week. Uh, skipping around on me here. Brother Camille showing uh, fraternal greetings coming from the Grand Lodge of Quebec. Greetings. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And a brother, Bill Webb, says, hi, Joe. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Before we do dive into the topic this evening, I do want to give a huge shout out to all of our Patreon supporters that help keep this show going. Uh, we've been around since 2016, and we are fully devoted to Masonic history. If you like what you see here, you can always help the show out by going over to our website, historicalight.com. Check out the goodies we got there. And if you like it, click on the support button up top, and you can support the show through Patreon and get some of those awesome perks that come along with the different support levels. With that, my brother. I am really looking forward to diving into this topic with you. Now, Masonic history is is not something that you've been delving into since the beginning of your career. We've been Facebook friends for quite a long time. You've been that history nerd, uh, but you were you were a contractor, right? Yeah, there for a while. Um, right after I got out of the army, uh, you know, at first we were looking at all right. Well, what do I do now? Right. Um, I got lucky and my wife, Brittany, wonderful lady, uh, she went to work, she got a good job and, uh, I was able, basically we looked, we looked at it and it was essentially, I could go to work, but at the time our children were still at home. Uh, right. and it, you get to that point where it's like, well, what's the point in going to work? All that money that I make is going to go straight to paying somebody so to watch expensive. the So I sat around for about a year, uh, not being lazy, uh, but <laughs> uh, I did the stay-at-home dad thing for a little while. And That's then, not lazy at all. No. And then um, kids wound up in school, pre-K and uh, first grade. And so it was like, well, what do I do now? And one of the things I've been exposed to, my stepfather had actually been a maintenance guy for apartment complexes and stuff. And I was like, you know let me give that a try. And I wound up like I always do. I started with, let me just do a little part-time thing. And that wound up turning into 70, 80 hour work weeks, running my own contracting company, uh, repairing and renovating houses for property managers and real estate investors and stuff like that. Um, and I did that for about almost four years. That's uh, well, how long I did that. And then I had health issues come up and wasn't able to keep doing that, uh, unfortunately, but it kind of timed out perfectly because I was able to buckle down and finish my bachelor's, which for me was an 18 year degree instead of a four year degree. <laughs> but we got that done and it was almost, you know, I don't want to say it was fate because right as soon as I finished that, uh, an opening opened up at the state archives uh, and I was able to apply and do the interviews and secure that job. So I think everything's ending up exactly how it should. Yeah. I mean, for a history nerd, like what better place could you end up? I, I don't know. Maybe that's not such a good thing because for nerds like you and me, 
that's almost hard to keep on those uh those mundane tasks when all you want to go is you know go nerd out in the corner so <laughs> exactly <laughs> well so that's fantastic so how much of diving into Masonic history and some of the work that we're going to talk about here uh, that you got to do at the Grand Lodge really sparked uh, that interest to maybe search this as a profession as now you've you've in, uh, entered into that adventure? Well, so as you said, I've always been interested in history and a career in history. You know, it's it's easy to think, especially when you are doing your own research and reading and pursuing a, a degree in history and you sit there and you go, okay, well, what exactly is a career in history? And there's not too many ways that you can get a career in history. Um, there's the obvious route of teaching, uh, writing and stuff like that. And, you know, I was really kind of uncertain. Uh, I knew I do enjoy writing articles and, and conducting research, but as far as what really focused me on, where I'm at now uh, actually came about due to masonry. Uh, when I was, it was 2015, we had in Columbia, South Carolina, they call it a, a flood of a hundred years. It was a That's right. freak event here where uh, not only did we get a torrential downpour of rain way more than expected, but we also suffered a series of catastrophic dam failures due to that. Uh, and you know, it only takes one dam to break and then the next one down the line is going to break too. Definitely. And so that happened to us and we basically had a lake mysteriously or, you know, all of a sudden appear where our lodge was. And wow. so because of that luck, we were lucky. It's a two story lodge and all our minutes books and everything were upstairs, uh, and were spared. However, downstairs is where we had a lot of old records, uh, old files, uh, financial records, things like that had been stored in the closet down there and they were gone, just wiped out. Everything was was taken out with that flood. Um, and I do have the pictures of that. If we wanted to uh, share those now or. Yeah, you go ahead and throw them up. Uh, I don't have that. If you want to share it from your end, I'll get it thrown right. up here. So, let's see. Uh, let's see, went to a black screen. Well, Good old technology. Awesome. There we go. All right. So, wow. Let's see here. You can see this is the Holy front of the lodge. Cow. Right. Um, that's the front door. And it is, we had luckily the, the so that it's two stories in the back side of it is downstairs. The front side of it is upstairs. Um, but you can see this is a two-story apartment building right next door to the lodge. So that's the top floor that they're having to rescue people out of. And this is the damage that was done downstairs. You can see it, what the water level came all the way above the ceiling and pulled the ceiling down when it retreated. Um, and then here in this picture, you can see uh, right there where the water line was. Wow. So. Well, and, and for reference there, I see a handicap uh, sign and that kind of, yep. just to give you a hint of how high that is, that is insane. So we, uh, 
But yeah, so that was the flood that happened. And that's when I realized, you know, especially when it comes to lodges and masonry, uh, those records are all that we have. Right. You know, and once they're gone, they're gone. And so that kind of sparked in me the, the passion that I now have for preserving the history that we have, because then I started comparing it with our history and just how much has been lost over the years. A hundred percent, man. You know, your story and mine uh, coincide quite a bit in that manner, uh, because diving into my lodge's history is exactly what made me so conscious of how our history is kept and, and how it's disappearing before us. You know, I'd, you go to so many of these lodges and for one, if you barely look into the history of masonry, you'll see that what happened to you guys there while that was, you know, a freakish flood, water damage and fire damage and tornado damage and any other kind you can think of is no stranger uh, to masonry. And to think about the amount of records we have lost through the years because of that. And now we're at this age where these records that we do have, they're so old that they're literally disintegrating and disappearing from the page before us. And that's on a good day. We never know, like, like you brothers, you, you had no idea that, you know, a week from, you know, before that happened, it, that was going to be the case. And each and every one of us are in that position. I firmly believe that we are the last generation uh, that has the opportunity in so many of these cases to preserve these records. Something's going to happen. Lodges are going to close. They're going to disappear. And even the ones in the best of cases are literally falling apart before us. So yeah, to, to have something blunt uh, happen like that is unfortunate, but I guess I look at the silver lining with, with having social media and being able to uh, connect with so many brothers these days that, you know, hopefully we can show that and really kind of hit home that if you guys got records and they're accessible, man, preserve those now while you can, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Oh, absolutely. And that's, uh, and you know, we, we also have, the reverse problem. Uh, I know a lot of people are liking to go digital now and yeah. minutes are getting typed and they're getting saved and that's great uh, until nobody can access that computer or that hard drive goes bad. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's, you really have to look at preserving things in three different formats, essentially, you know, if you're physical, you're digital on a computer and then backed up, in a cloud somewhere so that you have the ability. If one of them goes, you can pull from somewhere else. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And we're definitely going to talk about that. I know we, we've talked about it before this uh, archival and digitization is a huge aspect of this show. Um, but before we get to that, let's, let's talk a little bit about you getting started with the grand lodge and then we can kind of work our way through what that process looks like and kind of give them a roadmap there. So, so you getting involved with the records of the archives of the Grand Lodge of South Carolina, um, explain how that kind of came about and what that looked like when you first got in. Um, so it's really kind of funny. I just kind of showed up and uh, started doing it for myself. And so I, I like to research. So it started with me just wanting to get copies of things for me to be able to research. And uh, from there, 
it, it just kind of spiraled into uh, this massive project. But we're actually, we're very fortunate in South Carolina uh, to have the Grand Lodge officers that we do. The entire Grand Line from the Junior Grand Warden to the Grand Master all are really, they all understand the importance and the value of doing this work. And they're all very supportive of it, uh, particularly our Grand Secretary, uh, Most Worshipful Gerald Carver. He has been at the forefront of, of helping us get all this work done. And, you know, honestly, I'm just thankful that I'm able to play the role in it that I am. Uh, but yeah, that's how it started was I originally wanted to make copies for myself and I just kind of said, well, let's see what we can do from there. That's awesome. Yeah. You and me nerd on the same frequency for sure. <laughs> but you know, you're mentioning here, uh, how your guys grand secretary and other grand staff, um, are supportive of that. And that is huge. I mean, really, if you, if the backing is not there, this stuff easily falls to the side, uh, to have an administration uh, that sees the value and the importance there uh, is vital, is vital. But also for brothers like you, we need more. Like, man, I, I've, I've had this talk so many times and there's so much just here in Kansas. I mean, God, there's so much just with my lodge because when we look at the history of things, We've got our records, but there's also so much more history there. So many more dots to connect. And as you saw going to the Grand Lodge for your own history or, you know, your own research and that branching out to now you're, you know, doing a side job for the Grand Lodge. It's easy to get into these rabbit holes and see how vast this history is. It's way more than one guy can do. It's way more than one lodge, than one jurisdiction we need so many brothers right now uh, to realize the importance of this and dive in in their lodge, in their jurisdiction, their grand lodge, and to start doing this because, yeah, I, I just can't preach it enough. We're not going to have the opportunity to down the road. So, man, so glad that you dove in there and and, and found that. When you got started with that, did they have the equipment, or where did that process get into the line? So, as you mentioned, uh, we're, we're nerds, and being a giant nerd, <laughs> um, I actually bought my own book scanner. Uh, okay. It was, a, it was a fun and interesting conversation with the wife to try and explain why I needed to buy a book scanner, um, but I did. And I bought you know my own book scanner, and I took it down there, and that's, they saw what I was using, and they actually wound up getting their own uh, upgraded version of the one that I have to use down there. And, uh, it's, it's amazing how one person with a little effort can spur, you know, it can ignite that flame of, Hey, maybe this is something we should do more of, or maybe this is something we should invest more in. And, uh, you know, like you said, if we could just get one brother in every lodge, to, to start working on that, it would be great. But that's, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, what I did. I bought my own book scanner. We took it down there and started using it and, um, until they got theirs. And other than that, that's really the only equipment that we needed. They had most everything, but 
you know, we would work together and talk and have discussions and, you know, I'd make suggestions and mention, you know, we need certain kind of book repair material for some of the books in the library, or we should work on this. And I never got any resistance. You know, they, they if you know it, you're right. We, we could use that. Let's get it. And uh, so it's just been great, really. That's fantastic. So book scanners, they're that that's a wide market today. We have everything from $20,000 professional fully, you know, fully uh automated to using your cell phone, which is which is how I got started. Um where did you start as far as a book scanner? Where what medium did you go with? So I did some research and obviously um as much as I wish I had not won the lottery so I can't afford the $20,000 archival <laughs> one. Uh but I did go you know, there's a company called Caesar and I bought the, uh, I believe it's the ET 16 pro and there it, you go. it set me back about $500. Yeah. Um, but it does absolutely everything I need. Now you're not going to get your professional archival quality images, but for printed text, you can't beat it for that price. Um, you're really able to, scan all of your documents or all of your books. And on top of that, it not only will scan them, but it will turn, it will OCR format them and give you a text searchable PDF, which as a researcher is just phenomenal to have, uh, especially yeah. when you're trying to find information through 60 years worth of grand lodge proceedings. And you can just pull up the PDFs, search for your keyword and boom, there it is. A hundred percent. So, I'm glad you touched on that. First of all, congratulations. Uh, Caesar is a fantastic brand and we're not sponsored by them or anything. Uh, we are an affiliate. We have a, a link that we'll get in the comments for you guys to even give you a, a discount if you want to venture into uh, something of that nature in your lodge and your jurisdiction. But when I got started, like I said, I the, when I first got started, I was using a cell phone. I you know I had a light set up and a box and it works. It works. It's hell. I mean, you're looking at all these photographs and then trying to stitch them together. And then you just have photographs. Uh, we ended up going on Amazon at the time and mind you with technology, I think they say it doubles every six months now, essentially. Uh, this was 2017. I want to say we bought a book scanners, a lodge off of Amazon, uh, for about $220, something like that. And it was okay. Uh, the reason we bought it was that OCR searchable function. Um, the image quality, like I said, was okay. Got through a book and go to click the OCR and it just spun and spun and never stopped. And we, we send a, a message to the company and we just got, you know, a very broken message back. It doesn't work. That, that was your main selling point here guys. <laughs> so, um, we ended up, uh, doing a lot more research and testing out this, uh, this company Caesar. And I have been a fanboy of them from day one. Now I'm not going to say they're the best on the market because I haven't tested them all. What I can say is I've done my cell phone. I've done a cheaper one, which, you know, still 200 bucks, but in the market, it was a cheaper book scanner off of Amazon investing a little more money and went Caesar and it just worked. Um, no, it's not your $20,000 professional archival level, but I will tell you this 
for what you need in masonry, it is all you need and more. Uh, if you set the settings right, I am able to zoom in far enough. I can see the imperfections in the pin strokes. We just need to preserve this data before it's gone. Uh, this is more than capable of giving you a very good quality uh, image. But what I was most impressed with was, yeah, the, the functionality, the software they send for me has worked excellent, but the OCR has kind of blown me away. Uh, it's, it's powerful from going from a company that just spun and did not work. This works it, in my experience has worked very well. And the exciting thing about that is OCR is one of those technologies. It's only going to get better with time. Like as we're sitting here today and we're watching TikToks and stuff, and we're seeing all these AI and, you know, you can make a face look like someone else and make a voice sound like someone else so easy. Think about how that's going to impact that, that technology is going to grow in those areas. What OCR is today, within a few years, I, I'm very, very confident because when you OCR right now, what you're mainly getting is the typed text. The handwritten stuff, it's very, very hard to read for you and I, let alone yeah. OCR. But within the years coming, I would almost guarantee that OCR is going to be able to read that better than you and I. The other nice thing is we can OCR this today. You have that digital file, let's say 15 years from now, and it's just mind blown crazy. You're able to redo that file because you already have it in digital format. It's only going to get better and better as time goes on. But equipment like this is massively important to just get it done before it's gone. Oh yeah. And you know, you mentioned your phone and you know, to get a head start, you know, if you're, if you're having issues, you know, people don't want to spend the money for a book scanner, which I get completely. Um, I had to make that explanation to my wife, like I said, but <laughs> um, they do have, there's an app called stack, which basically will take, will allow you to take the pictures and it will put them into a PDF uh, or into one file as opposed to a whole bunch of picture files. I mean, even just doing that, just getting it, you know, yeah. caught digitized in some format. Uh, Cause like I said, you never know when a flood's going to happen. You never know when a fire is going to happen. You know, you pray it doesn't, yeah. but uh, it's possible. So starting anywhere, you can always go back. You know, starting yeah. anywhere is better than nothing. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of just get, get it started however you can. 100%. I mean, yeah, that, that's a fantastic point that, you know, the phones are more capable. I mean, we have to say like iPhones, Androids, whatever, like these are supercomputers we're holding in our hands and they take one hell of an image. They will do the job when I was using it 2017 ish, you know, the apps and stuff were not what they were today. Yeah. There's, there's probably a lot more out there, uh, that could get that process started for you. Um, I think I think a software like Caesar or something of that nature is, if you can afford it, is going to make the job a lot easier. But like Brother Joe's here saying, get it done. Uh, you know, you and I have both heard uh, scholarly brothers talk about oh the quality or whatever. It's not it's not this archival level. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing: if uh, if you've got an important document that is going to connect the dot in your research, and you reach out to brother Joe and you find out, Oh, well, we just had this huge flood last week and it's gone because I didn't have 
the twenty to fifty thousand dollar machine we were waiting on to buy in twenty years, and now, you know, that history is just gone. I'd rather have the uh, nine hundred DPI amazing image <laughs> versus nothing at all, <laughs> you know, like right. or even a even a cell phone image to be able to zoom in, read that, uh, be able to recover that history uh, versus just having a disintegrated page, get it done by whatever means needed, by whatever uh, medium or platform you can use, definitely get that work started. And, you know, if we take care, and this is one of the aspects I want to talk about as we proceed on in this, is not only digitizing and tossing, but trying to preserve all these mediums. You know, I, I think it's personally important to, yes, digitize and preserve uh, that data as soon as we can, as best as we can digitally. But I'm also a fanboy of history. I've got a lot of historical books and documents back here. Um, I like to preserve the physical items as long as they can possibly last as well. And if we do both of those measures, for one, because we did it digitally, we've locked in that we have that data. But if we preserve the physical as well, and that technology does get better, well, we've got a second opportunity, but at least we had that first. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know a lot, like I'm here talking about my work at the Grand Lodge and some of the stuff we found there, but I really want to emphasize it's the local lodge level that we really need to work on. Grand Lodges are pretty good about making sure their stuff gets through. Um, it's at the local lodge level, which really has some of the most important records because that's where your minutes books are. They give you detailed information about the local lodge, what they're doing, what the community was like, how the community was affected. That's one of my favorite things to see when I'm reading Grand Lodge Proceedings or local lodge minutes books is I'll go to a portion in history around you know 1917. Well, what was going on in the local community during World War One, and you can see how right. they're responding to, you know, my son just died in in Europe, and you you can pick up a lot of context from these. And I think people don't really realize that when they're writing them, that a hundred years from now, people are going to be looking back at what you're writing. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, so. Well, let, let, let's back up. And I got a question for you because it's kind of kind of lead into that topic there. Um, in your guys' jurisdiction, do you have anything in place to aid the lodges um, in that effort? Um, at this moment, we, as a, a an official thing, we do not. Um, I have been going around and helping. And I know our Grand Lodge has been encouraging local lodges to do the same um, one of the big things we've done is, you know, we've transitioned to Grandview several years back and yeah. it has the option to upload your minutes into Grandview. And so the grand secretary has been really big on encouraging lodges to not just upload current minutes, but to go back and upload previous ones as well, because those get, get backed up and are accessible, uh, from anywhere. So that's one thing they've done is encouraged, but we, we have not, set up an official program or anything to, to assist the lodges with that. Um, and to be fair, I think a lot of local lodges and that's 
you know, it's their responsibility. And I, I think Grand Lodge should, I think they should appreciate any help they get. But what we really need is for these lodges to step up and, and take care of it themselves. You know, like you said, I'm only one person. Yeah. Um, there's only so many people at the, up at Grand Lodge and we really need to get kind of a grassroots uh, campaign going to do this. And I'll say since I've started doing my work and I've been very public about it, I post about it all the time. And, you know, here's something I found, here's what I've been doing today. Um, and since then I've had a lot of lodges contact me or comment or say, you know, I'm, I've started doing that at my lodge or, you know, can you give us some advice about how to store uh, our documents and stuff? And I'm actually really encouraged by the zeal that, that I've seen for this work lately. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It, it's definitely taken off. Um, I want to share a little bit about, because I'm connected with the Kansas Lodge research here in my jurisdiction. And one of the exciting things we got into uh, is is tied in with this right here. Um, so in our jurisdiction, I, I got appointed as a director of Kansas Lodge research, which our lodge of research is not really like others. Uh, it's a Grand Lodge program. It's not really a lodge of its own. Uh, so my position's appointed by the Grand Master and we are a Grand Lodge program. Uh, essentially, we kind of became like the history side of the Grand Lodge in many regards. So when we got into that, one of the first efforts uh, that we were pushing out was for lodges to do this work. And I had made a PowerPoint and kind of saying, hey, this is this is kind of what we're looking for. This is how we suggest to go about it. This is the end result we'd like to see. And the pushback that we got on that was one, we don't know how. Two, we can't afford the equipment. And those were kind of the, the two big factors as well. We're going to invest all this money. We're going to get it done. And then what do we do? We just, you know, the equipment's no good to us at that point. And, you know, we, we just don't know how to go about the process in general. So we said, okay, did some brainstorming. And what we did as the Lodge of Research here uh, is we developed two kits that we send out uh, to lodges now free of charge um, on, a, on a loan basis. And what those kits uh, consist of is a Caesar camera, like we're talking about. Uh, for those kits, we use the Caesar Shine Ultra. And I'm going to talk about some models here just because uh, I think it was Brother Rodriguez. Yeah, Brother Henry Rodriguez talking about what models. Uh, can you share links? Yeah, I will get links uh, to the ones I suggest, and I'll get any links from Brother uh, Joe here as well. And we'll make sure all those get in the uh, comments for the show. For the archival kits, we're using the Shine Ultra. It's the cheaper Caesar model. It's compact. It folds up. I've personally tested them, and I think they still have exceptional quality and exceptional function for the price. And I think they run for about 200 bucks, roughly, maybe a little more or less there. But about 200 bucks comes with the software and everything. So in this kit, we have the Caesar scanner. Um, which I, I need to specify here because we've talked about scanners. Everything we've talked about so far are overhead book scanners, meaning they kind of like when you, if you're older, if you're in school and you had the projector sits over and it, you know, looks at it and projects it up overhead book scanner kind of does the same thing. It's going to sit over. It has a camera that goes down. Why that's important 
is because we're talking about these twenty to fifty thousand dollar professional scanners. Why they're so expensive is they've got all these cameras, but then they have little arms that actually flip the pages a million miles an hour. That's great for a modern book. But if you grab one of these old minute books and you try to do that, it's just going to be like you hit a bird with a shotgun and you got feathers going everywhere. It's delicate. Um, there are some guys like uh, I know George Washington Memorial was doing uh, Grand Lodge annual proceedings and some people debate my terminology here. I call it destructive scanning in the sense that they will remove the binding of the book and then send the pages through a feed scanner. Uh, but you have taken the book apart at that point for books, especially going lodge to lodge and those conditions vary. I'd like to preserve the physical as much as I possibly can. So I am a huge fan of overhead book scanners because they do not contact the book. Uh, it gets a great image aiming down. And then the only contact is you manually flipping the page and clicking a button, flip and click. Um, so everything we use here in Kansas is that overhead style. In this kit, we've got that overhead book scanner, the Caesar Shine. We've also got a bulk scanner. And as you're talking about connecting these dots, this is where I suggest, and depends on the lodge, but I think every lodge has that file cabinet with probably letters from 1915 and you know all the, so many guys will go through there and say, oh, junk, 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 and throw them all away. You can debate me on this. If you want to, uh, you never know when you're going to connect a dot and where. If you have the means, I say just scan it. Scan it, and then if you don't want to keep the physical on that, that's fine. Keep your minute books, of course. But on those letters and stuff, scan them in. Here's the reasoning. In these kits, we've got the bulk feed scanner. We've got the overhead scanner. We've got a laptop. We've got a film and slide scanner, and everything runs through OCR. The reason we do this and we do it free to the lodge is we're preserving that history because that lodge eventually is going to shut down. Uh, that history is going to go who knows where. And once a lodge is gone, that history is typically gone. When we run stuff through OCR, we no longer need to open a book and page by page and try to read and hope we find something. Uh, we can do this handy little thing of control F and search. Now think about, and this is what we're building in the Kansas Lodge research and think about if we could do this jurisdiction wide and then worldwide instead of me thinking, okay, well, I found a little tidbit about this one prominent guy at my lodge and I want to know what else he was connected with in my state. Well, what do you do there? You think, okay, well, I'm going to have to go to Wine.3 or I'm going to have to go to uh, out to Garnett and sit and flip pages and hope I come across his name. When these lodges go through and they preserve their history and they scan this in, it goes into a massive digital archive that we're building. Everything is content searchable. So we're going to get to the point, and we already can to a large degree, where now I can just do a content search in the front for McClintock or Jones, whatever. And it's going to show me everywhere where that name pops up, not just in that book, not just in that lodge, but the entire database. So think again, if 
not just your lodge, not just your jurisdiction, but nationwide, worldwide, how that could connect dots. If you've got those letters in that file cabinet scanned in, man, you, you're going to have more data available to you than ever before. And it's going to be a game changer uh, to Masonic research. So two things on that. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, we one of the recent projects that we did was trying to compile a list of Masons made at site in South Carolina. And okay. normally this would take going through all the proceedings, reading through all the proceedings and, and trying to track it down. Um, because we've digitized and I was able to search using certain keywords and I'd say within an hour, hour and a half, I had the whole, I had a whole list. Uh, we were able to find them all out between from 1812 to uh, I think the last one was in 1950 something, but we were able to track down over a hundred years, search through a hundred years plus of data to find the nine names that we needed. So, you know, that's, that just speaks to the power of OCR and having these digitized the way they are yeah. from a research standpoint. And, you know, you mentioned it, I get asked a lot, okay, well, you know, what do I make copies of? What do I preserve? Where, where do I start? And I get laughed at because my answer is everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I think people feel like maybe I'm just taking like the easy way out or giving a cop out answer of like, yeah, just do everything, you know, don't worry about it. But that's really the truth because, you know, it's not for us now to decide what's historically important. Yeah. We, we have no idea. We don't know 100%. what they're going to be looking for. So it really is important that everything you possibly can. And these files don't take up. I mean, it'll take a little time to scan them. But we're not asking you to to make an archive room and, and store boxes and boxes right. of records forever. That's the beauty of digitizing. It's you don't have to do that anymore. That that's a great point. So to that, because yeah, I think all history nerds like us, anytime we're trying to put people onto these projects, that's the one. Well, where do I start? What do I do? There's all this stuff. So we kind of have to look backwards and deconstruct what our brothers before us were doing. Uh, because one great thing our lodges and jurisdictions did in the past was think about historical relevance. Um, at least in Kansas, if you go through the annual proceedings of the Grand Lodge, you'll see year after year after year, the Grand Lodge pleading and making edicts and one thing after another about lodges needing to preserve their history. So you think about what you have in your lodge, all this stuff that you don't know where to start with. We've got the minute books. We've got the Tyler's registers. We've got these letters, these photographs. Why do we have them? Why are you signing in that Tyler's register? At the end of the day, it's history. You're documenting the history of who was there. Why are we recording the minutes? It's historical documentation of what happened in that meeting. Why do you think they shoved those letters from 1902 in that file cabinet? Because it's of historical relevance. So when we say everything, it sounds like that's an insane request. Our brothers before us did the best they could in their time. And in our past, that was 
compiling and preserving in the safest manner they had. And maybe that was a file proof cabinet. Maybe that was just on the non damp side of the lodge or like with our grand lodges building these big brick buildings. It was a fireproof structure versus the wood lodges that easily burned down. They had all this stuff. They compiled it. They did the best they could in their time. We're past that. What we can do in our time now is much more than that. And we owe it to everyone before us that has taken those or made those efforts uh, to now preserve it better. And not just that, but realize that today is the history of tomorrow and preserve our history today in the same regard that they preserved it before, but in that same better manner so that we're preserving it moving forward. Otherwise, we're really just in the same boat. We're, we're getting caught up on what we needed to, but today's stuff is always going to be lacking if we're not thinking about that as we move along. Oh, absolutely. That's, and you know, like you said, the minute, if I had to pick an order, I would definitely go minutes, books, Tyler register correspondence. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing what can be gleaned just from seeing who was at a meeting because in the future it may come up. Yeah. Well, you know, was this person a Mason? Uh, we can't find any record of it, but here he is signed into a lodge so clearly he must've been a Mason. They let him in. They, he signed in. Right. So every, everything is valuable and it's not our job to decide if it is or not. It's a hundred years from now when they're going to look back and say, well, what do I need to know? And that's when they'll find what you preserved. 100%. 100%. So I know there's a lot of questions coming through about, you know, procedure and, uh, equipment and whatnot, uh, please feel free to send those messages. Uh, Brother Joe and I will will tackle those and we'll get you the best information uh, that we can. And uh, as history nerds in general, I think we're always willing to help with that advice, uh, how to get started, maybe our our interpretation on, you know, how to go about your different projects. Uh, so feel feel free to reach out with those questions and either we'll give you the best advice we can, we get you pointed in the right direction. Let's see here. We've got a bunch coming through and I'm going to save a few of these to the end, but as we are kind of getting towards the end of the hour, I, I want to take some time to hear a little bit about, I don't know, the nerd satisfaction of some of the stuff that you've come across uh, in your time of, you know, being able to do some of this work in the Grand Lodge and even being an eBay nut like myself, I think you you recently came across something that was pretty cool. If you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about the, uh, the treasures that you've come across. Well, so, you know, the hardest part of it, I think we've digitized probably 20,000 something. I think it's between 20, 22,000 pages. Uh, we've been able to, for Grand Watch proceedings, we've been able to do from 1812 to 1919 currently, um, which is actually awesome. kind of ironic because there, 1919 is where it ends and then it jumps to 1921. Uh, we had a little, we changed the date of our Grand Watch, so we had a 14-month period, so there's no 1920. Uh, but so the hardest thing is like you said, the way we do it is it's an overhead scanner and you sit there and you flip pages and take a picture, flip pages, take a picture. Uh, very sexy work if anybody was <laughs> looking to Indeed. get into this. But uh, the hardest thing is to do that 
and try to do it efficiently and in a timely manner when all you want to do is read the pages that you're try- trying to scan. Um, yeah. You know, being a history nerd, I'm sitting here with a, a proceedings book from 1814 and I can't look at it. I just have to turn the page and take a picture. Um, but the nice thing is I can go back and look at it on the computer now. But so a lot of what I found that are fat is fascinating to me. And, you know, like we talked about this a little bit before was, you know, we're not really discovering anything new per se. It's more like rediscovering, uh, right. you know, this was all known at some point and it's in the proceeding. So anybody can go pick one up and, and find it. But I've found fascinating things. Um, South Carolina had no traveling lodges that we knew about until, or that I had heard about, and I found evidence in the proceedings. There's no evidence in the proceedings of a charter ever being given to a traveling lodge, but there's two mentions um, that a traveling lodge charter was issued to the Palmetto Regiment when they left for the Mexican-American War. Um, And all it says is that, I believe it was the Grand Lodge of Arkansas or Alabama, returned the charter to us because they had lost it uh, while they were down there and they had found it and they returned it to South Carolina. And the, the entry basically says, you know, we received this that came from this traveling lodge that was chartered and the charter was deposited in the archives of the Grand Lodge. And granted that was back then it's, we no longer have it, unfortunately, but uh, there's that. And then there's mention of it when the generals that the Palmetto, Re- that the Palmetto regiment fell under, during that time came back through town. Uh, there was a banquet held for them. And they mentioned again, these were the commanding officers that were over the traveling charter that we granted. And so I went back and I scoured trying to find where, when this charter was issued and I, I can't find it anywhere. So it must've been a spur of the moment thing. Um, but it was neat to, to see that. Um, when I was doing the research on the Masons made at site, uh, all of them were, were big name people. Uh, they were all important people that did important things um, with the exception of one. And I think this is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> um, Jacob T. Barron himself, uh, you know, past grandmaster of South Carolina, uh, a very big name, both in and out of masonry. He, uh, he made a mason at sight. However, his was a little different. He had traveled to a lodge to attend a degree uh, a master Mason degree. And unfortunately the candidate at the time was sick and unable to, to participate. And back then in the mid 1800s, early 1800s, uh, traveling was a big deal. Well, I guess he didn't want to go out there all the way out there for no reason. So they found a random fellow craft and decided to make him a Mason at sight. So I thought that was just hilarious that he had gone all the way out there and you know, basically said, by God, I came out here, we're having a degree. And so they went and found a, a fellow craft and used his prerogative as ma- grandmaster to, to give him his third degree and make him a mason at sight. But, you know, we've just all sorts of things as you're going through these, you're just rediscovering. And it's as a history nerd, it's fantastic because, you know, the bones of your history. But now you're getting to see the muscle and the flesh on those bones and the little things that make it all up. And it's just been really great. That's awesome, man. And 
just so much we can nerd out on here all night. There's, as I hope you guys see uh, from the efforts that Brother Joe has put in, there's definitely so much work to be done. Yeah, it was making me think when you're talking about trying to go through these 20,000 some pages you've scanned and all you want to do is take time to read that page. That is the most dangerous time though because once you decide i'm gonna read this one paragraph what happens That's something catches done. your eye and yep. then oh well now i gotta look this up and you're off on a rabbit hole and uh the joy of being a history nerd <laughs> well and that's that was the other thing is you know you'd be going through the proceedings and you'd catch oh you know grand representative so-and-so brought a gift and this is the gift and it describes it and you're like i think i've seen that somewhere and then you're off looking through all the display cases and everything trying to find, and then you find it and you're like, Oh, that's what he's talking about. It's right there. So it's, it's neat to be able to put, connect the dots like that and assign oh, a story with, with what you're seeing. 100%. Well, as we're kind of getting to the end of the hour here, I want to take a minute to run through some of the comments that we're getting and make sure we uh, we're covering everybody here. Give me one second. Let's see. We got one from Brother Henry Rodriguez saying, wow, what luck. I recently saw our records in a safe and we are one crazy flood away from losing things. I feel like the grand architect of the universe has put me on this path, uh, a newly raised cyber computer science brother. Fantastic, man. I'm so glad that you uh, joined us for this episode. And again, like we mentioned earlier, uh, this can be kind of an intimidating path jumping into. Uh, with that computer science background, you've got a leg up more than most. Uh, but in the archival aspect, any questions you have along the way, feel free to hit myself up, Brother Joe up, and uh, we'll try to give you any advice to give you a leg up through this process. But uh, so stoked that you see the importance there and you're going to dive into some of this work because it's definitely needed. Uh, we've got brother uh, Bill Webb. Thank you for the stars as well, my brother. Much appreciated. Saying uh, such fascinating information. Have a few questions for you next time I see you at the lodge. Looks like that one's all on you, brother Joe. Yes. Uh, by the way, hi, Bill. I'm glad to see you here. Uh, Bill is actually a new fellow craft at my lodge. Um, really? He is. He has been very eager, and we are very excited to have him at the lodge. Uh, he comes from a music background, so he's been very excited and interested in learning basically everything. Uh, he's and he's he's got a lot of promise. We're very excited to have him. That's fantastic, man. Well, I hope I get to uh, meet you in Lodge one day, my brother. Let's see. We've got brother uh, Neil Selmer here saying greetings from Statlin Island, New York. We digitized our minutes from 1825 to about 1870, and we're in the process of researching who the founding brothers were, uh, where they became Masons and their professions and influence on Staten Island. That sounds like a fascinating research project. And if you get that info, definitely hit me up. I would love to do an episode around that and uh, hear what you found, brother. It sounds fascinating. Uh, we've got Most Worshipful Darren Kellerman on here saying in Kansas, lodges can get all the digitization software loaned to them for free. Just contact the Lodge of Research. Yeah, we talked about that. It's a fantastic program and uh, 
it's in use right now. And I, I hope we can get through all the lodges in Kansas. Uh, we've actually even proudly uh, had several other jurisdictions uh talk to us about how to set up a kit of their own and start passing that through. I know uh, Grand or not Grand Lodge, but the Lodge Research for Massachusetts uh, just passed to buy at least one kit just a couple months back. So great things are happening. Lots of history being saved. Uh, let's see here. Brother Benny Melton. Thanks, Alex G and Joe Terry. This was very enlightening for me. I think it may spark a fire in many of us seriously to consider digitizing our lodge records. That is fantastic. And then uh, over on the YouTube side, we've got Brother Gabrielle talking about we need to start thinking about metaverse. That is a fascinating topic that we can go for and we probably will go for a whole nother episode on. Um, but one thing I will uh, throw in just real quick before we get to our toast Um is that it is being thought about in a few different ways. I know uh, George Washington Memorial is doing some really cool metaverse style work and planning uh, for the Kansas Lodge research. One thing we've done to start thinking about that aspect of things is virtual tours uh, within our lodges. And what kind of sparked that was my wife is in real estate and it just kicked kind of kicked me in the head one day. Um, we had this photo album from 1958. One of the past grandmasters went around, took two photos of every lodge in the jurisdiction, altar facing east in front of the building. So when we were trying to think, how can we update this? Do we just get a whole bunch more photographs? We're like, well, no, we need to look at this. They were doing the best they could in their time. What is the best we can do now? And with my wife in real estate, I'm sitting there one day looking at houses and virtually walking through it. And I'm like, what if we could do this with a lodge? So we've started doing that uh, through the lodge research here. We'll actually go out with a 360 camera, take shots of these lodges, put it into a uh, virtual tour. And now we're able to load that up on devices like the Oculus. And we did a really cool one of our Grand Lodge. And it was, it was kind of freaky. It's like you're standing in the Grand Lodge building. But you think about that, you know, 50 years from now when some of these buildings don't exist, instead of just seeing a photo, You'll be able to walk through it and actually look at items on the wall and see what it was like, um, which is a really cool aspect. But yeah, the metaverse is going to have so many doors to open and it'll be really, really exciting to see how that expands uh, in the years to come. Well, Brother Joe, I want to give you time for some final comments and stuff, but we are at the nine o'clock hour. So before we do final comments, would you mind to lead us into toast this evening? I will. Let me get my uh, beverage. Fantastic. I can't toast without a beverage. That'd be strange. <laughs> uh, you could try. I could. I don't know if that... I think that's bad luck. Oh, we don't want that. No. So, What are you toasting with this evening? So I'm a man of simple taste. And after years of the Army... I am just a Bud Light person. There you go. Let's see, I, I, got some. I have a good friend, Charles Barn, who's listening in and watching, and he is a bougie beer drinker, and he gives me a hard time every time because I just <laughs> like Bud Light. <laughs> you like what you like. Let's see. I, I've got some uh, Jack Daniels here left over and using the Masonicon Kansas glass. Let's see. That was a bad pour, but I have, uh, 
my uh, my wife got me this for for Christmas, and I think it's the best beer mug, beer glass ever. It uh, it just says I drink and I know things. I love that. That's fantastic. So I have kept that, but yes, I will be happy to provide a toast. And uh, let's toast to history, our fraternity, and the continued zeal for discovering and preserving both. Here, here. Cheers. Fantastic. Thank you so much, my brother. Before we get into final comments here real quick, I'm noticing one message I missed over on the YouTube side from uh, CWH. And he's saying, greetings, brethren. Do you have digital records of La Candor in South Carolina? So this is an interesting topic and Brother Joe Wages will get mad at me if I don't mention it. Um, so Lacander was a very important lodge in the history of South Carolina and masonry in general um, because it's also, it, it was an early lodge and it was French speaking and it contains some of the earliest records of the Scottish Rite as well. Um, and we have found the original minutes book for Lacander Lodge. Um, they belong to another lodge now in Charleston that they merged into. Unfortunately, that minutes book, I'd say probably the first third of it uh, has just been completely ravaged by time. It needs big money, professional restoration and uh, in order to get that. Uh, I was able to get scans of the back half of that minute book and I believe there may be one more down there as well. Um, unfortunately, a lot of our early lodges, you know, a lot of them started in the Charleston area. And since, you know, our, I think our earliest recorded Mason in South Carolina is 1731, uh, a brother that came down from Pennsylvania. And then we have our first lodge in 1735. Well, since then, we've had at least five fires in Charleston alone uh, that destroyed most of Charleston. And then we've also had the burning of Columbia in 1865. So unfortunately, a lot of things have just been destroyed due to time and um, disaster. So, but we do have it. Um, it is there. I've seen it. I've held it in my hands, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately it's not the most scannable document right now. Well, fantastic. Thank you for addressing that. And I, I would love to see that one day. That sounds fascinating. So, First and foremost, I want to thank you so much for everything that you do in masonry. Uh, truly excited for where this journey in Masonic history has now taken you, is continuing to take you uh, into your historian's path of what you're doing for work and still continuing with your degree. Um, so seriously, thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for coming on the show this evening and uh, taking some time away from life and family to share all your wealth of knowledge with us. What would you like to wrap up for any final thoughts, anything that you want to make sure gets across and any plugs if you have them? You know, I guess I'd just like to reemphasize the time to start is now. Um, you know, the picture you take on your phone at your next lodge meeting, that may be the last time that documents ever, ever recorded. And yeah, it's easy to get bogged down in the, okay, well, I need archival folders. Or do I need archival boxes? Yeah. First and foremost, just preserve it. 
just get a picture of it, get something done, get a start. Once you get started, you can just build from there. Um, and I'd like to encourage everyone, you know, from the, the newest master Mason to the past master that's been there for 40 years, you know, it only takes one brother with one time to speak up to get this ball rolling and get it started. Um, and that's, that's really what we need from a research standpoint and a preservation standpoint. Uh, we, we really need more brothers to continue this excitement and get this going. And I really just thank you for having me on to spread this message and to, to do that. I'm more than happy to connect with anybody and, and help them out and help them get started. And as I know you are as well. And uh, that's really all I have. Well, brother, it has been an absolute honor having you on. I think uh, I think we could easily chat for like hours more. So we'll probably have to bug you to get you back on here again and have another chat because you're one of those nerdy guys I can definitely get into it with. <laughs> oh, I'd be happy to. Fantastic. Well, my brother, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, everyone who tuned in live and for all those that sent stars and, of course, our Patreon supporters. To our Patreon supporters, please remember tonight is one of our monthly hangouts. So right after this, you'll have exclusive access over to the Zoom meeting. Uh, so we hope to see you, uh, see you all there. But with that, until next time, keep illuminating our, has our past and save history. We'll see you guys. Take care.